Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, following down to the second chapter. I was notified last week, you didn't read the last verse of this chapter. I'm like, well, okay. So, uh, we're going to deal with that today. Prayer for deliverance of Jonah, verse 17 of chapter 1. Now the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, there is a lot of theological, I want to say speculation, but teachings on this particular thing. Now, if we look at future time, it wasn't a whale. They say, oh, it's a whale. It was a big fish. So we don't know if it was a whale. We don't know if it was a great white shark or not great white shark, but you know, a blue whale or, or whatever kind of whale, but it was a big fish. And let's look at the importance here of the three days and the three nights. Does that sound familiar? Somebody else was in the ground for three days and three nights. Who was that? Jesus. So Jonah, in the theology teachings and the, I don't want to say speculation, but a lot of the belief is that Jonah is a type of Christ in the Scripture because of this particular thing that God did for him to change his attitude. Now, Jesus didn't have an attitude like Jonah prior to this point, but the fact that he was in the whale three days and three nights makes people or causes theologians to believe Jonah was a type of Christ in the Old Testament because of that respect. Now, some question if this could happen, uh, the, 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 the big fish swallowed in Jonah. Uh, some question if this could happen as the Bible says it did, but surely it is not a difficult thing for God to have prepared a great fish, even if, a, even if that particular fish was a special creation for that moment. So, God could have created the big fish, and then once that big fish died, that was it. Or it could have been a whale. Could have been anything. Jonah was in the fish, the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Though Jonah was a rebellious, resilient, resistant, and believer, Jonah was a rebellious, re re resistant, and believer. God was not finished with him yet, so the Lord pre preserved his life. We go through things in our lives. We go through things in our lives, right, that we feel like, well, this is going to kill me. This is something that's going to kill me. I'm going to die because 
this is so difficult to go through. This is going to be the end of me. Right? God is not done with Jonah, and in those moments, God is not done with us. God prepares us and God strengthens us just as he did with Jonah. If you think about Jonah being in the belly of a, of a fish and you think about the, our stomachs, right? There's digestive things going on in our stomachs, right? There's stomach acid. There's things that... And Jonah wasn't subject to that. If you think about it, he was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And yet he wasn't digested he wasn't digested and, and swallowed up and gone. But he was preserved. God was not done with him. God was, had some more for him to do. So in those moments when we think, this is going to be the end of me, God says, I've got more for you to do. God could have rescued Jonah in any number of ways. He chose this specific way because of the effect it would have on Jonah's heart. Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale, and what was, what was happening prior to him being thrown up on the, on the beach? His heart was changed. God moved on his heart. God taught him a, a lesson there. God taught him a lesson there. And his heart was changed. Apparently, Jonah did nothing for three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. It was only after he, the, the, that period of over that he prayed the prayer following. Jonah prayed the prayer after three days and three nights. God has to sometimes bring us to a position in our life where we turn to him, right? God has to put us through something. And God does that. That's judgment on us. God will judge us for our lives and how we live for the purpose of what happened with Jonah, for the purpose that we will turn to God and change our lives. God does bring judgment. Yes, God will bring us into judgment. Maybe we lose something or lose someone, lose a job, whatever. And we're having to then sit in relationship with God with no distraction. And then we see the error of our ways and we should turn to God, right? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But with Jonah, it happened. He turned to God. Chapter 2, verse 1, 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. He said, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and, and your waves passed over me. Now, that was two and three, one through three. Now, Jonah cried out to God and God heard his voice. What causes that to happen? When we cry out to God, God will hear our voice. But there's a, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. 
Did you know we can pray to God and God doesn't hear us? And we can pray to God and God hears our cry. Do you know what the difference is? It's the attitude of the heart. Why does God hear some people and not others? It's the attitude of the heart. God hears the heart of a repentant person. God hears the voice of a repentant person. If we pray to God because it's just what we do and who we are, and there's no, if we, if we are sinful and we pray, God, forgive me, but there's no feeling behind it, there's no remorse, does God really hear that? Does God really hear that? God hears a repentant heart. God hears a heart that is toward him. God does not hear a heart that is just giving lip service to him. Jonah knew God heard him before the answer came. This shows that Jonah had faith and that God can give a total peace and assurance that prayer is answered even before the actual prayer, even before the actual answer comes. So, when we have a repentant heart, when we come to God in repentance, when we have a heart that is turned toward God, turned toward Christ, that particular heart, we know God heard us. We know he heard us because he gives us a sign in our spirit. Our spirit bears witness. Our spirit bears witness. I cried out to the Lord, Jonah said. In this and the rest of the chapter, Jonah's prayer uses many phrases and figures of speech from the Psalms. This shows that Jonah was a man who knew God's word and knew it by heart because there was no Bible, no candle in the fish's belly. Now, this wasn't like Pinocchio. You know, you watch that Pinocchio cartoon, Disney cartoon when you were younger or maybe with your kids, where Geppetto and Pinocchio end up in the belly of the whale and they have to build a fire with so much smoke that he sneezes them out and they go out. That ain't what happened here with Jonah. Jonah was just in the belly of the whale in the darkness and he knew God's word and he was praying God's word. And you know what? There's power in that, by the way. If you know God's word and you pray God's word, there's power in that. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and he cried out to my, and, and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. Psalm 18 Six, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. He's prayed that prayer in chapter 2. That is from Psalm 42, 7. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard my voice of my supplications when I cried out to you, part of his prayer, 
That's from Psalm 31, 22. So Jonah knew the word. Jonah knew God, and he knew his word, and he prayed the word of God. He prayed the scripture. There's power in that. If you can do that, if you can go into God's word and look at the Psalms, there's a lot of Psalms that are prayers, and a lot of them that are songs. The 51st Psalm is a prayer. David's prayer to God after he sinned with Bathsheba and was, and was confronted by Nathan. The 51st Psalm is a prayer. So if you can pray those kinds of things, there's power in that. Verses 3 through 7. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast away from your sight, Yet I will look again to your holy temple. The waters encompassed me even to my soul, and deep surrounded me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the foundation of the mountains. The earth in the, in its, with its bars was around me forever. Yet... You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into, into your holy temple. Now, praying a lot of the Psalms, but his heart is what is different here. You can pray the Psalms, you can pray the scriptures. But it has to be a change in your heart. You have to have a change in your heart. God has to do something in your heart. Jonah realized that it wasn't just, it wasn't the sailors who cast him into the sea. It was God himself. Jonah saw that he had never been out of God's hands, though he tried to run from him. See, we have to recognize something. When we are doing something that is not of God and not God didn't want us to do in the first place, and we do it anyway, and God punishes us from it, we've got to, we've got to own that sin. We've got to own that sin. This judgment is coming to me because of what I did. So many people blame so many others and blame God for their shortcomings and their issues when it's them who put them in their own position. We do that. We have to own our own sin. We have to own it. Some of them might say, well, you know, my, my kids don't respect me. They don't listen to me. That might be true. But let's look a little bit at ourselves and say, why is that? Well, how were we as a parent? Or, I lost my job because they didn't like me there. They always had it out for me. Maybe because there was something you were doing or weren't doing that caused the issue. We have to own our own sin. We have to own our own consequences for things that happen in our lives. Jonah's greatest pain was not the calamity but his separation from God, his feeling that he was cast out of your sight. 
still he was determined, even, if, even in the belly of the whale, to turn his heart toward God and his temple. Simply, Jonah remembered the Lord. <clears throat> Sin causes us to bring about judgment upon our... God brings judgment upon our, on us because of our own actions. So if it is our own actions that causes us to sin, it must be our own actions that cause us to repent. God passes judgment. And in our own life, we must then realize it is not me that is going to change things. God will change them, but I must turn to God. Jonah realized he must turn to God. Yet you've brought me out of the pit, O Lord my God. Again, Jonah could praise God for the answer to prayer before the answer came because God gave him assurance. God will give us assurance in our prayer. God will touch our lives through a repentant prayer. He may not answer it right in that moment. He may answer it right in that moment. But if he doesn't, then we realize, we understand that he gives assurance that the answer will come. Forgiveness is on the horizon. Redemption, justification, a right relationship with God is on the horizon when we come to God in prayer, when we ask God to forgive us, when we ask God to touch our lives. Jonah did that. Jonah asked God to forgive him. And he brought him the assurance that the answer would come, that forgiveness was coming on the horizon. Verses 8 and 9. Those who follow my vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Imagine. Jonah is like us. God told him to do something. He, he, he viewed the people of Nineveh as unworthy of God's forgiveness. Unworthy of salvation. Unworthy of whatever God was going to do. So he took it upon himself to help God out and say, God, you don't, I'm not doing that because these people are bad. The thing, that, the thing that happens with us today is we think that we know more than God. God, you don't understand what, what these people are like. That's basically Jonah would say, you don't understand what these people are like. You don't understand what they've done. You don't understand what they've done. You don't know who they are, obviously, because you're going to forgive them. Jonah knew better than God. And we tend to think we know better than God. But you know what? We don't. We don't know better than God. We cannot play God because we are not God. We don't know better than Him. We might think of a person or a group or whatever. They're not worthy of God's forgiveness. They're not worthy of God's forgiveness. How are, how are we to say that? Who are we to say that? 
Who was Jonah to say that? Who was Jonah to say the Ninevites were not worthy of forgiveness? Now, let me, let me make this clear. Everybody is worthy of forgiveness, but not everybody accepts it. The Ninevites, as we read down in the book, we know, if we know the story, we know that the king or ordered and issued a decree that they were to sit in sackcloth and ashes for their sinful behavior. You see, not everybody accepts God's judgment. Not everybody accepts God's forgiveness. It's there if you accept it. But not everybody will. And we see in the history of Nineveh that later on, after this king had died in the book of Nahum, they had then gotten back into their old ways and God had to destroy Nineveh. But for this moment, for this particular time of history, these people, God said, were worthy. God said they were worthy of his forgiveness. Jonah said, no, they're not. You don't know who they are. You don't know who they are. We watched a lot of the VeggieTales that we did when the kids were younger, and this story comes up in the VeggieTales videos, and they would slap people with fishes, right? And Jonah's thing there was, you don't know who they are. They slap people with fishes. Identifying the attitude that Jonah would have had. You don't know who these people are. They do this, they do that, they do this. You don't understand. You're going you're to extend forgiveness to these people? That's human nature. That's sin nature. We do the same thing. You don't understand. You don't understand who these people are, God. You don't know why they live. They live this way. God says they're worthy of my forgiveness. And if we then don't do what God wants us to do, we will be brought judgment until we do what God wants us to do. Amen? Now, verse 8 and 9 again. Those who follow vain idols forsake their true loyalty. Those who follow vain idols forsake their true loyalty. What are some idols in our lives? We've talked about this a lot because it's worth mentioning. There's idols in our lives, and each, each era has its own idols. The 21st century idol, 2023 idol, is electricity, electronic, not electricity, electricity is part of it, but electronics, social media, internet, all of that stuff, all of it, can be an idol. Does it have its place? Sure it does. But it can be an idol for some. Just like the love of money is also an idol. Does money have its place? Yes. We buy and sell goods with money. We, we pay bills with money. It has its place. But the love of money is an idol. 
He goes on. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Those who follow vain idols forsake true loyalty. So if we follow vain idols, we're not following God. Who is the true, who are we to be truly loyal to? God, right? God created us from the very womb. The Bible says that he, before we were in the womb, he knew who, he knew who we were. Right? So God knew us before we were in the womb. His loyalty lies with us. If it didn't lie with us, he wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross. Where does our loyalty lie? And by the way, his loyalty is not something we deserve. But yet he gives it freely. His loyalty is something that shouldn't have been given to us at all because we were sinful. So our loyalty to him should be a given. Why? Because if we look at the book of Revelation, we know that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So he decided and was our sacrifice prior to creation. His loyalty has always been with us. Where's our loyalty? Jonah says now after three days in the whale, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. God has to bring us to a place of judgment and repentance. And in that judgment and repentance, some of us and some of people will shake their fist at God and say, God, you've done this to me. I'll never serve you again. Some people say that. Some people say that. Others say, God, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Those people realize where their heart was. They repent of a sinful behavior and they turn and walk with God with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Salvation. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. This was more than a statement, a fact, by the way. It was Jonah's triumphal direct declaration. God had saved and would save, and Jonah meant it personally. Jonah's salvation is of the Lord. Jonah's salvation is of the Lord. Not anything else. We tend to think, well, I'll take care of this. I can handle this. I'll get, I'll, I got myself into it. I'll get myself out of it. Doesn't matter what it is. It's just how we, how we view it. Our salvation is not of our own ingenuity. Our salvation is not of our own uh, 
intuitiveness, our own craftiness, or our own uh, smarts. Our salvation is of the Lord. God brings about salvation. That's why religion and relationship are two different things. That's why tradition and relationship are two different things. Tradition and religion <clears throat> brings about just a thought. I can win my way into, into heaven. I can, I can earn my way there. I can uh, do enough good that I will earn my way there. It has nothing to do with what I need to do with God. It's what I need to do with my fellow man for God. I'm doing it myself, for myself. I'm doing it without any consideration for God. That is tradition. That is relationship. Or tradition and not relationship. Relationship is when we know that there are things like tradition. But we don't do them because we don't do them because, well, if I do them, I'll get into heaven. We do them not for what we will get. We do them for what others will get. That's relationship. And we don't do them out of obligation. If you look at mainline denominations, some of them have penance and they have things you have to do to earn your way into heaven. That is tradition. That is religion. With relationship, you do the things to get into heaven because you want to, out of a desire to grow closer to God, not because you get out of hell free card. It's a relationship thing. You love God. You love His Word. And you love doing work for Him. That's what relationship is. And that's what's going to get you to heaven. Not your doings. Not your, not your uh, blind, uh, without thought of God, things that we do. But it's totally different. We seek God for what he wants us to do. We ask God to touch our hearts, touch those around us. We ask God to do that. And then we go where God wants us to go. That's relationship. Religion is, well, I, this week I gotta go here, this week I'm gonna go here, this week I'm gonna do this, this week I'm gonna do that. No consideration to what God wants. That's religion. Now, verse 10, then God spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now, God spoke to the fish. The fish worked at the commandment of God. Just as much as the fish was under the command of God when it swallowed Jonah. It was under his command when it let him go. If God can speak to a fish, he can speak to us. 
then again, fish probably don't resist the will of God like we do. Think about that for a moment. If God can speak to a fish and a fish obeys, why do we think that God doesn't speak to us? And even farther than that, why don't we obey? Well, that's a dumb fish. That's why it's just a stupid, dumb fish. They don't know any better. But it's God who's speaking. It's not Billy Bob down at the diner. It's God speaking. So why don't we follow? A fish did. Jonah is expelled from the fish. Sometimes we don't have much of a choice about how we will be, de be delivered. Jonah might have preferred another method, but God had a purpose in this also. Jonah probably would have probably thought, well, you know, it would have been better if I would have just given, given in to God and did what he wanted and I just traveled to Nineveh. But no, I have to go to Nineveh by the belly of a fish for three days and get thrown up by the fish. That attitude would tell us that Jonah needed to understand that it was him that did it, not God. Jonah's deliverance came after Jonah's repentance was complete. Jonah wasn't just sorry for what he did. He was also now trusting God again. And many believers today, there is a work of God and an aspect of his deliverance that will remain undone as long as the believer resists him and refuses to trust him. You understand what that means? There's going to be an aspect of God and his forgiveness and deliverance that is not fully given because we refuse to trust God in every single thing. There are, added, there are areas and crevices and hidden rooms in our heart that yet we have, to, we have surrendered to God. There are, in every single one of us, myself included, we have areas in our heart that we have yet to surrender to God. <clears throat> and God says, I want all of you, not just the part you're willing to surrender, but all of it. All of it. And we're all guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We all have areas in our lives that we're not willing to surrender to God. We all have those things. But if we would just surrender everything, God would do so much in our lives. Jonah's deliverance came after three days and nights had passed, providing a foreshadowing of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus said, For as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So there again, Jesus gives us the understanding that Jonah was a type of Christ. 
Jesus gives us that. That's Matthew 12, 40. Jesus 12, 40. Now, when Jesus spoke of three days and three nights in Matthew 12, 40, it does, not, it does make a Thursday crucifixion, crucifixion necessary. Rabbinic literature from that time, of the time of Jesus, explains that the phrase so many days and so many nights was a figure of speech that could refer to any part of the day and night. Ellison notes that Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah around the year A.D. 100 said the day and the night make a whole day. And a portion of the whole day is reckoned as a whole day. This demonstrates how in Jesus' day, the phrase three days and three nights did, did not necessarily mean a 72-hour period, but a period including at least the portions of three days and three nights. Now, if you look at the Jewish hours, Thursday, crucifixion. Thursday didn't start until Wednesday at 6 p.m. And then the 6 p.m. on Thursday was when Friday started, and so on and so forth. So it was three days and three nights. But that's why, that's how they did that. Because if you look at it, Friday to Sunday is only two days by our calendar, but Friday didn't start until Thursday, or Thursday didn't start until Wednesday, 6 o'clock p.m. Pointing towards the Messiah to come, Jesus Christ, we see that Jonah's deliverance came after a remarkable demonstration of laying down one's life. Jonah gave his life to appease the wrath of God coming upon others. But death did not hold him. After three days and three nights imprisonment, he was alive and free. So, Friday for Jesus began on Thursday at 6 o'clock. So that was Friday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, and Sunday. That's three days, three nights. Onto the dry land, it is commonly thought that Jonah was vomited out on the shores of Nineveh. We read that in Scripture. But we are not told that this was the case, especially because Nineveh was about 375 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. If Jonah did walk into Nineveh right from the belly of the fish, it would have been a miraculous projection of the vomit, fish's vomit. God could have done that. <clears throat> God could have done that. We see in Scripture that God did also project people from one area to the next one. Um, we did see, we do see that. We do read that Jonah was sitting up above Nineveh, waiting for God to destroy them after he had re repented, after he had given the, the gospel message or the prophecy. So, God did do something miraculous here. Now, 
All this to be said, where are we? Where are we in our lives? God moves in our lives. God tells us to do things. Do we do them? Or do we say, I'm not comfortable doing that, God. I'm not a people person. I'm not, I don't talk to people. I don't like talking to people. I don't like being around people. Well, that may be the case, but God can move us out of that comfort zone and prepare us to be more than we are now. He did that with Jonah. Jonah viewed them as a certain way. I'm not doing that, God. They're not worthy of it. Just like we do, God, I, I, you want me to talk to them? I'm not a people person. I don't know how to put the words together. I don't know how to string it together. God will prepare us. Amen. God will prepare us. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Pray that you'd bless us and help us, Lord, to move out of our comfort zone. And Lord, we pray that you'd be with us and minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So your assignment for this week, you know what your comfort zone is. And you know if God's calling you to be out of that comfort zone. If he's calling you to be out of that comfort zone, answer him with an affirmative. And do your best to work out of that comfort zone. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.